Hello and welcome to this episode of the Star Wars Universe Podcast. Friends, this is an episode I've been really excited about because we're doing a couple of things. First of all, this is going to be the episode where we cover the last four episodes of Season 7 of The Clone Wars. As a number of you have pointed out, uh, we actually somehow never released our episode on the last two. Uh, It was recorded. I think it was up there for a while, but then it got deleted. Long story. But we've decided to get back together and record on all four of them. Because not only is it an amazing story arc, but it is fundamental for a character who we care a lot about, and we're going to be caring a lot more, Ahsoka Tano. So this episode is also part one of Road to Ahsoka, as we are going to go do things that get us ready for the hopefully amazing show that's going to be coming out in August, all about Ahsoka Tano. So I'm really excited about this. These are, I think, many people consider some of the best, if not flat out the best, Star Wars that's out there. It's absolutely probably in my top five of story arcs or stories or however you want to describe it. And I've got a great panel of guests for us uh, as returning on many of these episodes, but especially he was with me for all of the coverage of The Clone Wars Season 7, Paul Hoppy. So they will be joining us. And also joining us is the super fan who was the first person to write in and express their displeasure that we did not have those Clone Wars episodes. Uh, and because of that, started a conversation that wound up volunteering her to be a regular host. Uh, and she's also going to be a regular host for us during the Ahsoka show because she's an Ahsoka cosplayer and an Ahsoka fanatic and just all over a mentally unbalanced person who really loves Star Wars like the rest of us. And that, of course, is... Aaron McGowan. So all that and more uh, with myself, Paul Hoppy, a now annoyed Aaron who's going to talk to me about her mental status. All that right after a commercial break, we have no control over. Because Jedi never, ever need therapy. No. Welcome back. I'm Matthew Fox. They, them pronouns. Friends, I am just so excited to be here. These are such great episodes. There's so much to talk about. It's going to be really hard to get into all of it in 85 minutes or whatever. But, Paul, let me just start with you. How are you feeling about tonight? Yeah, I just rewatched the last two episodes. I had watched the other two yesterday and then the other eight of this season in the last couple mm-hmm. weeks. Because I just I wanted to feel the, the context of the episodes, mm-hmm. you know. And um, these are... These last four episodes especially, I mean, the whole season's great, but the the last four episodes and even more so the last two episodes to me are just the absolutely top tier of mm-hmm. like non-Andor division. Uh, although like maybe they're even that good, like, which, yeah. you know, I mean, they're, they're just absolutely outstanding storytelling. Um, and for me, for someone, I feel like, for someone who who didn't enjoy the prequels, which I don't want to harp on, but I want to talk about kind of the way that these stories feel to different people, I think. For me, mm-hmm. it kind of gave me a chance to actually enjoy maybe the most pivotal moment in, you know, the history of that galaxy that we really mm-hmm. see in in a story that I really enjoy, you know, to, to be able to have a story that I love that takes place at that time. Um, and I imagine that having a story of this quality, um, the way it sits in, if you really love the prequels, then I, I mean, I'm kind of like, almost like jealous of like, you know, like if you already have this, it would be like, if you made something like that, it's like rogue one, actually. 
Like Rogue One yeah. adds to like A New Hope, right? So if you love A New Hope, it kind of sort of elevates that. And if you didn't love A New Hope, it's like, well, here's something that's around that time period that's like awesome and like actually more yeah. well done than A New Hope. No, it's awesome. Um, and let's hear it now from Aaron, who uh, jokes about mental health aside. I am just as, you know, obsessed and fanatical with all these <laughs> kind of things. I love it. I just like teasing everybody. Uh, but Aaron is a prequels fan, is a huge Ahsoka fan, is a clones fan. Though I don't think we get any uh, close-up of clone butts, but that's a, a, a topic we can get into for sure. But uh, Aaron, I've done enough to make fun of you. Go ahead and talk about <laughs> how you're feeling on these four episodes. No, yeah, Paul, you're talking about how cool it must be to, like, be someone who loves the story and cares characters like already like I grew up with these characters like I was watching the last two episodes also today and I was sitting on my couch and I just got these like chills like as it kind of it was the very final shot of the series basically so it was panning in on that helmet with Darth Vader in the reflection and Mm -hmm. I was like oh my god I was like this is literally the culmination of like my favorite childhood TV show, period. Like, my favorite TV show, period. Like, this is insane. Like, this is so good. Like, I've literally... I'm exposing myself right now. This is only the second time I've watched these episodes because it was so traumatic and, like, emotionally draining the first time that I was just too scared to go back. (laughs) Like, that's how much it meant to me. Like, I was destroyed. Oh my God, Jesse's helmet, it all took me out. It was all so horrible in such a good way. It's like, I care so much and it hurts mm-hmm. a lot. It's just such good storytelling. Yeah, that last shot just... is like maybe the best shot oh, in brilliant. Star Wars. It's so, it it feels it's like it sums everything up. It's got Ahsoka's face on the helmet, which represents the clones. And you've got Vader walking away, carrying a blue lightsaber. Like, yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah, it's uh, of a figure who was not his child, but had a kind of like, you know, I'm the adult who's mentoring this child mm-hmm. relationship. Yeah. Um, and I kind of think the hearing from both of you sums up just how powerful it is, because the fact that it can be both for the person who loved the prequels, it's the perfect bridge. And for the person who didn't, because I'm definitely much more on Paul's side, um, not that it's a conflict, but you know what I mean, but I have the same experience. As I was watching it again, particularly at the time that I've been going so deep into Rebels, it really, for me, it did so much to not only draw the connection for Anakin's story, because I, I have the same thing of I, I did really feel like Rise of the Sith fumbled the Anakin conversion. Like it just didn't. Revenge of the it Sith. It didn't hit. Yeah. Didn't, oh, yeah, whatever. Sorry. Uh, uh, no, no, yeah, you're correct. Thank it you it felt appropriate to get it wrong. But yeah. I, I mean, also fair. Also, but I'm not I, like I've been a prequel hater. I'm not that anymore. Yeah. I don't mean not, deliberately. Just, I just mean. You know, yeah, like I mean, no, that's, that's my with it, Well, maybe it's deliberate. I don't know. I know the whole rise of the Skywalker. There was a lot of, yeah, permutation. Um, HD, it's a thing. Um, but so yeah, it 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 100% make that connection. And I do think for me, and again, I know this is heresy for some, and that is again, I'm not hating. I'm just saying Hayden Christensen is just not my Anakin. Matt Lauer, Matt 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 Latner is, and so hearing his voice being the one. And having that voice in my head as I'm then hearing all the stuff with, you know, hearing that moment of his fall and watching both Maul and Ahsoka react to it. Yeah. And so I thought that was brilliant. I thought there were so many little moments that, like, yes, this was made after Rebels. So in some ways, it's like some of the best prequeling I've ever seen because it doesn't do anything that changes Rebels the way we often feel happens with prequels. 
but it sets up and foreshadows in such beautiful way the stuff that we know is going to happen in Rebels, both with individual lines, but also with character moments. So, yeah, there's just so much to talk about. And and it's funny, Paul, because you said that you think that these four and especially these last two are just some of the best Star Wars that's ever been. I agree with you. I actually think, though, that and, – and for those who are following along but lost, I promise we will do a brief <laughs> summary of the episodes. But I just want to say that it, it's funny to me because I do think that other than that last shot – the absolute best moment of all four episodes happens in the final minutes of the second episode. And that's the – now that I've seen it again, I think just flat out the best lightsaber duel oh. we've ever seen in Star Wars. Yes. Uh, the fight between Maul and Ahsoka. Absolutely. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And and I think Maul delivers a fantastic line just I think before that – duel Mm -hmm. when they're alone in like the mandalorian i guess throne room yeah um something like justice is merely the construct of the current power base it is about to change or like and that base is about Mm -hmm. to change i wrote that that, down that hits deep (laughs) yeah yeah like yeah that that was a um feloni's like i got something to say (laughs) exactly so right for those who are lost let's do a quick plot summary i'm gonna do my best to get it uh, you all tell me what I missed. Perfect. So we start with um, uh, kind of, what seems like kind of a basic um, but well done episode of the Clone Wars. Anakin and Obi-Wan are leading armies. Uh, Anakin commits a war crime by faking a surrender. And then it turns out that it's all a trap to get the tactical leader. Uh, it is specifically mentioned in Geneva Conventions that that's a war crime. Granted, I think no this Geneva is before the Geneva but- Conventions. Yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> long, long time ago, far, far. But it away. looks cool when he does it, and he's doing a droid. So there we go. But I do that. I mean, the fact that it is kind of ethically gray a little bit is very perfect for uh, for Anakin. Right, it's Obi-Wan. Anakin doing Anakin things. Is how it starts. Yeah, exactly. Which all work making fun of Obi Wan doing Obi Wan things. Yeah, exactly. So they fight a big battle. They win. It's great. And then um, they their ship is. They find out that Sokotano is contacting them. And important, also, this is going to have spoilers for uh, uh, go- Ghost, for Rebels, where the main ship is the Ghost. Um, so one of the things that gets mentioned is that this is coming in on a radio frequency with a code name Fulcrum, which we know is eventually the code that Ahsoka and then a later person will use when they are like sh- funneling secret information to the to the Rebels. So knowing that this is kind of where Ahsoka gets it, and she gets it because it's an old code of Anakin's. It's just kind of a great little um, connection there. Um, so it's Ahsoka, and she turns up with Bo-Katan, which, by the way, also having seen Mandalorian, this also just gave me so many chills because it's it again shows how much they were paying attention to what what so much. Now here, this was a real pre a real. Bleh, bleh, say again, now here instead of you know Rebels came before this. But if you watch Mandalorian Season 3, so much of this is set up so beautifully by what happens here with Bo-Katan. But anyway, Bo-Katan and Ahsoka are here, and they want to take back... Well, they start by saying that they have found Darth Maul, and they want help taking him back, uh, capturing him, or, or you know, taking him out. And they convince Obi-Wan and um, uh, Anakin to be a part of it, and 
eventually, though, it comes out that Bo-Katan is like, yeah, I want to capture him because he took over Mandalore. And so fighting him will also be helping me take back Mandalore. And she's clearly learned this is the start of that whole journey that again is paid off in Mandalorian season three. Uh, Obi-Wan isn't thrilled when he hears this because uh, he knows that he doesn't want the Republic. If the Jedi take a side, then they're getting involved in this war of neutrality, which all the way back to the stuff with um, Bo-Katan's sister, Duchess Satine. Who he, there's so much. There's so much. Anyway, I'm sorry. I'm trying not to hit you too much. But basically, Obi-Wan was in love with Bo-Katan's sister. The Republic couldn't get involved when there was a fight back then and Maul killed her. All that emotion is there. And eventually they decide, and then further complicating matters, they get a warning that there's been attack on Coruscant, which of course we know is the uh, what the the opening action of that third movie, Revenge of the Sith. I got it right. Suck eggs. So <laughs> anyway, so we're trying to figure out what to do. And Anakin suggests, hey, wait a minute, Ahsoka could lead Republic troops. She's not a Jedi, so it wouldn't be the Jedi getting involved. Isn't that okay? And no one points out that it would still be half of a regiment of Republic troops, but we're going to move on from that. <laughs> uh, Obi-Wan's like, well, but they don't have to. They don't have to obey you. And of course, all the troops are fully ready to obey Ahsoka again. They're her command. She's their commander. And Rex comes and shows her that they have all painted their helmets with her face markings to kind of really show they're Ahsoka's boys. Beautiful moments with Rex and all that. So now we have the whole battle of the Siege of Mandalore, um, which has been referenced a couple times. But it's funny to realize that it's, it, the Siege of Mandalore is not the Empire. It's it's the Republic forces and, and Ahsoka and all them laying siege to try and capture Maul and win back Mandalore. There's a lot of great fight scenes. The clone troopers suddenly know how to use jetpacks as well as the Mandalorians do. Mm. Uh, Ahsoka says to Rex at one point, their ship is, cra- is you know, coming down in. They're both jumping out. I'll race you to the ground. And she beats him because Jedi are awesome. Some things never uh, change. Some things never change. Lots and lots of fighting. Lots and lots of Maul being Maul. And he he starts telling them about how some big change is coming and, and something is happening. Uh, he gets Ahsoka alone, and he talks about how he's really disappointed because what he wanted was for Obi-Wan to come. He, and at first he says, like, you know, who are you? I wanted Obi-Wan. And it's later revealed not only did he want Obi-Wan, he wanted Anakin because he starts to help Ahsoka put some pieces together because he tells her about Darth Sidious and how Darth Sidious was in control of this, everything the whole time. Uh, I'm realizing I'm getting a couple fa- – uh, Details time-wise out of the way, but I'll kind of clear it up. Um, that Drasidius has been in charge the whole time, that he's pulling all the strings. Obi-Wan hears this and mentions that, um, oh, it's too bad because Count Dooku could have told us about Darth Sidious, but aw shucks, Anakin killed Dooku. Which I got kind of a chill at that line because it remembers that like Sidious told him to kill Dooku. And so it's just this one little piece of, like, they could have put more of the pieces together. But, of course, Sidious stopped that from happening because he's really good at this. Mm. So we also hear that um, Sidious uh, – sorry. We also hear that Maul really wanted not only Obi-Wan to come but Anakin because Maul has figured out that uh, both him and Dooku were just placeholders, that 
Sidious has this whole plan where he's going to make Anakin his apprentice, and the two of them are going to remake the galaxy. And he doesn't really say exactly what that means, but he says, you know, we're all going to die. It's all going to be terrible. Um, and he tries to convince Ahsoka to join him to stop to stop all this from happening. Ahsoka can't believe that Anakin would ever do that, rejects it. The two of them have this epic lightsaber duel, and uh, for the third time – well, no, the second time, the third time is coming, Maul thinks he's about to win the fight when he loses the fight. And it's just one more moment of kind of that great synergy across those three. Synergy is the wrong word, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at the very end, he's falling. Ahsoka catches him and he begs her to let him die because in his words, we're all going to die. Cut to the, So now we're into the last two episodes, uh, the stuff we hadn't really covered before. Uh, we open – I probably – I'll make this shorter because there's less that happens in these, though they're just as good. Um, we're, we're taking Maul back. He's been captured. Ahsoka refuses to listen to him. And then there's this incredibly powerful moment when – well, first of all, we actually see that Ahsoka was in the council meeting when the, the last kind of council meeting before the Jedi sent people off to go arrest Sidious. But she just misses Anakin. Um, and so it's like they don't – and she she wants to tell Anakin about what Sidious told her. She almost tells Obi-Wan but decides not to, what Maul told her about Sidious. Uh, and then we get this incredibly powerful moment that we've referenced where both her and Maul kind of have that feeling in the force that something's happening. And they hear the that last conversation between uh, Anakin and Maul and Sidious when Sidious and Maul are fighting and, you know – uh, uh, Maul winds his arm way back for no good reason, and Mace. Anakin cuts it off. Yeah, Mace, Mace, Mace with the backswing. Or the, the I'm really bad at names, like I said. Don't smoke when you're pregnant, folks. It does bad things. Oh God, uh, it's a long story. <laughs> like I love oh. my mother very, very much. Wow. She made some choices, but moving on. Um, so anyway, and then of course Order sixty six happens, and in in such a harrowing moment, all the clones obey Order sixty six. Include so all these clones who are so devoted to Ahsoka are now trying to kill her, and she manages to fight them off uh, because Ahsoka is much better at fighting clones than any of the Jedi masters were. Put aside that editorial comment. Just watch Tales uh, of it, the Jedi, guys. Yeah, yeah they watch they Tales totally the explain it in Tales of the Jedi. <laughs> completely, completely. Um, and she manages to get uh, uh, Rex unconscious. Uh, she heard him talking about five, so she does some research, which is really kind of nice because it's a nice payoff to how in, in the earlier season, five, five figured everything out, but it didn't matter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so here it does get to matter. She figures it out. She gets the clone out of the, the chip out of Rex's head so that he's able to, to help her. And then the two of them start fighting clones. And it's heartbreaking. He's killing his own men. He clearly doesn't want to. She gets him to stop killing and start shooting to uh, to, to stun. Although she keeps reflecting laser blasts back with her lightsaber. and kill- but, <laughs> We're trying hard not to kill. Um, but there's this epic fight. Uh, and along the way, she realizes that the best way to help keep the clones distracted is to release Maul. So she does. And in one of my absolute favorite moments from her... Um, he says, like, well, you're going to give me a weapon of some kind. And she just looks at him and goes, I'm not rooting for you. <laughs> Which is just such... There's, like, a couple moments here where you're, like, so clearly, she is not a Jedi anymore. Another one is when she flat out tells Bo-Katan to torture someone to get information out of them. 
It's awesome. Um, he is released. He causes all kinds of wreckage and chaos. Uh, the ship is now on the way to crashing. They're fighting. They're trying to get away. They, they kind of would love to rescue all the clones. They can't. They get away. The ship crashes. And then we get the final moments of where what we see is all of their rifles put like down in the ground with the helmets on top over mounds. And it, it looks like that she has buried all of them. And that she, in her final moments, decides to drop her lightsabers. And then we get the, to, to kind of make it look like she died there as well. And then we get the wonderful moment that looks like it's like six months later. The planet's now covered by snow. Which, by the way, I believe this is the first time in Star Wars history that we saw the same planet have two fundamentally different weather <laughs> at the same time. I don't think we've ever yeah. seen this before. Yeah. Um, but it's hard to I miss that moon, because what you get... Yeah, well, thank you. It's this beautiful moment of Darth Vader holding the lightsaber, looking at it. He figures out what has happened, that, well, that she's dead, and he walks away. Well, we don't know. Which, we can talk more about that, but he clearly has some moment of thought about it. He walks away, and we see the final thing. He knows uh, she was there, is it clearly. Yeah, clearly. Okay. What did I miss? The droids. You know, she grabs three yeah. droids and uh, fights against the clones with droids at the end of a series where she spent the whole time fighting against droids with clones. But Yeah, that's, that's kind of cool. Not battle droids. These that's are uh, R2 unit yeah. things. But yeah, yeah, these are astromechs who, who do not... Do not spoilers, you know, don't don't have a very happy fate in, in this episode. But yep. I mean, really, only Rex and Ahsoka. The thing I'm, I'm going to start at the end. No one has a happy ending. Yeah, exactly. Like Rex and <laughs> no, Ahsoka survive. And yeah. as at the end, like there's just visible. They're visibly in pain. They're suffering. They're miserable. You yeah. know, they're not. Woohoo! We did it. You know, that's not yeah, that's yeah. not what this is about. And everybody else dies, as far as we can tell. And, you know, they take the time to bury them and then they, they leave. And I find the her leaving her lightsaber there a little confusing because my understanding was like that it was supposedly to make it look like she died. But like, how does that make it look like she died? Like, clearly, all of these troopers got buried by someone who then yeah. didn't go back and report to the Empire. Hey, we uh, we we buried all the, all the clones because, you know, it's. You know, mm -hmm. like, so it's like, obviously she survived. Yes. <laughs> obviously someone survived, you know. I, I was think I was wondering about that because that didn't make sense to me. And then in this episode, like the snow covers all that. Yeah. So all you see is the one helmet poking out. Oh. So, hmm. I, so in how it worked out, I don't think Vader <laughs> has any idea that they're buried there. But then to go back to why Ahsoka did it. Right. That she could – she had no idea what planet she was on. Yeah, yeah. That she could predict its weather and also predict when Vader would get there. <laughs> also, like, the Force yeah. and, like, he probably knows there's a mass graveyard there. You know, like, I feel like that's yeah. something you're like, oh, a lot of people died here or dead people here, you know. Right. Like, but – I'm just going to – But, yeah, it – it looks really cool though, so I don't I don't care that much about the ramifications. Like like yeah, for yeah. him to have that moment to pick up the blue lightsaber, just like that so to cool. me, right? I mean, it's like it it actually just looks super cool too, with like the black and the white snow yeah. and the bird up above and like just that bright blue. But like it to me, it Which? connects Anakin with Darth Vader in this yeah. way. Aaron, Which you were trying oh the bird, right? Were you going to say something about the bird? Yeah, the bird, Morai, is like yeah. 
the bird who's said to like follow Ahsoka throughout her life. Right. Um. Anyways, which I just want to say, I never interpreted her leaving her lightsabers as her trying to fake her death. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't that, know why. That, like, everyone was saying that. And I was like, oh, that's just like not how I got yeah. it personally. Like, yeah. it seemed like she was like leaving that part of her life and like right. wasn't expecting anyone to find it. Like, I don't think she was thinking anyone would look. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think I, I read that that is kind of accepted as the interpretation and maybe and Filoni said something, but it it, it didn't make it yeah, to me because that, that was how I always took it the first time I saw it was that she was like. I just killed clones. Right. Yeah. I, I and, and there's a moment where like she gets asked a couple times if she's a Jedi and she's like, no, I'm not. And yeah. there's actually a great a moment point. with and we, we can talk more about this. There's a great moment with her and Maul where Maul is trying to set it up as like, look, we both got betrayed by our organizations mm. and he's not wrong. Right. And and she's but she like and then Obi-Wan later asks or, uh, uh Mace asks, you know, are you are you doing this as a Jedi? And she's like, no, not yet. And so, I th- yeah, to me, it felt like throughout these episodes, she's struggling with these things. What Maul says gets to her, especially with what she feels later about Anakin. And yeah, this was her saying, like, I'm not going to fight anymore. I'm not going to be I'm not going to be a part of any of this. I'm just walking away. Yeah. 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 To it's me, it like- felt like the symbolic thing, like you were saying. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's just, like, everything she ever knew. Like, the entire world just ended to her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she's just, like, F it. Yeah. Leave it all, you know? It's, yeah. like, was always my interpretation. And then yeah. it's, like, the fact that Anakin came after it is, like, okay, well, why is he there? It's, like, he seems to be, like, searching her out, you know? Right. Like, yeah. if it were just, like, oh, here's a bunch of soldiers on Hoth, but it was, like, the soldiers were still actively looking for things, and Vader was there, too. So it's yeah. not like they found things and reported to him. It's like Vader is there very intentionally looking for something. Right. My yeah. opinion. And like later we find out like he's been, you know, hunting Jedi and like things like that, you know, the Inquisitors and all that. So it's like, hmm, just things to think about. Yeah. I, I still hold what I said before that I think this doesn't make like the problem that I said I so often have with see- prequels is when you create something that then it seems weird that it doesn't get noticed. I don't think it's weird that this doesn't happen, but I do now really wish this had been made first so that some, Vader could have said something about like, you know, I found your lightsaber. I thought you were dead or, you know, something yeah. like that. So we'd know. But the mystery of it's probably even better. Yeah. yeah I mean, it, it seems like that wouldn't be the first thing they talk about when they like encounter each other mm-hmm. in that Sith temple, yeah. where, you know, where shit goes down. Like It's like, uh uh, well, let's go a little deeper on Ahsoka, because as I said, there's a lot of characters I want to talk about in this, but one of them definitely is Ahsoka, particularly because we're getting ready for her show. And I- I'll just say it. To me, this is such a – I never felt confused by who she was in Rebels, but I feel like this helped me much better understand – like the, and-, and it is helped also by the context that you brought up, Paul, because the first the first set of four episodes is also about her. Um uh, the second she just set left of four. Je- second set of yeah. four. You're right. I'm sorry. Um, I, she's just left the Jedi Temple and she kind of has adventures like trying to not be a Jedi. But, you know, it's a classic like, oh, I've left that left behind. And oh, but people are in trouble. I've got to help them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, what do you think these four episodes really say about and, and, and where they take Ahsoka's character? What do we learn about her? I don't know. I feel like we just learn a lot. Like she's always been the like and 
Like, it's like Anakin and Ahsoka, mm. Rex and Ahsoka. Mm. Or it's like, I feel like she's always been paired with somebody. And this yeah. was like, although like she was paired with Bo-Katan, like they had two very different missions. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I felt like we got to see more of like Ahsoka as like a confident and like secure leader, like standing up for like what she said to like Anakin and Obi-Wan. She never would have said if she was still in the Jedi Order when Obi-Wan's like, OK, we're redirecting to Coruscant. And she's like, so that's it. You're just mm. leaving Mandalore like you just don't care anymore. Just like you're playing politics right now. And like she never would have called them out like that. But like the fact that she's had that time to like grow, have other experiences, learn who she is, learn a little more about the galaxy. It's just like we're seeing her come more into herself with like confidence. And a lot of it is like very, I think, learned through Anakin, like. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think there's a moment where you see Anakin's face and he's like both frustrated and proud. Yeah. <laughs> that moment of like, I'm really glad my, you know, my student is standing up for themselves. I'm annoyed they're doing it at me. Right. But still, yeah. it's like, you know. Yeah. Where's Obi-Wan? It's just like, God, why did we give him a Padawan? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, I, I think what you're saying is right in terms of this is her fully coming into her own, you know, um, mm-hmm. although yeah. I. I still feel like at the very end, she has one foot in, one foot out. Because, like, why does she just leave one lightsaber? Because she had two, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Like, that seems like a very deliberate. Like, she's leaving half half of her lightsabers there. And which... Oh, that, what, you think she lost the other one? Well, the Ahsoka novel... I, I haven't read it for many years. But the Ahsoka novel is kind of the next... In the in right. the this version of the story, the next thing that happens chronologically before Rebels, and in that she starts out without any lightsabers. Yeah, and remember also she didn't have her lightsabers even in the early episodes. No, Anakin I know. Gives and then, them back to her. Yeah, and then she ends up with two that are different color. Like her her future lightsabers clearly don't look like these. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she, but also she gets she read. She actually gets those by defeating a Sith, and then oh, and then in, uh, an Inquisitor. Something. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. But would you? Sith affiliated, right. Sith minor leagues, um, but <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, lightsabers are—they become red because you corrupt the kyber crystal, right, right. and then if you kind of heal the kyber crystal, they become white. Um, but like, I I think she's always been this person to an extent. Like to me, it feels like she's fully accepting who she is. But like early in, I think it was like season one. There's this where where. Master Plo is like stranded, right? And she's like, no, we have to go back for him. We have to go back. Like, we're not going to, you know. And Anakin's like, no, we c- you can't say that in the meeting. We're just going to do it ourselves on the down low, you know. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. like, I feel like she's she's pushed back a lot. But here she just does it. Right. It feels different, right? It doesn't feel like the the sort of the power dynamic is different. You know, like yeah, she's yeah. she's like, I am who I am. I am not an underling of you. I'm saying we need to do this thing because this is the thing to do. Not, yeah. you know, someone yeah, yeah. in the power structure. Like it just it plays differently, you know. But, yeah. Well, it changes her from being like a rebelling kid to being yeah. like someone standing up for what they believe. Right. In. To being like an assertive right. young adult, basically. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. It, it doesn't feel like, hey, master, but don't you remember? It's just like, hey, as your peer, I'm telling you this. Right. And, and also, I think the fact that she's challenging, like you said, normally Anakin would be like, I- I'm really on your side. Right. Here he's not. Right. I think that's all. I think. And I'm trying hard not to project too much because it is very, very subtle, small things we get. But I do think that like. 
the fact that he does this is like I think she's a little disappointed in him. I think she's a little surprised, you know, and I think that that kind of ties into what she learns about him later. Yeah. Um, I mean, also, I think it should be noted that, like, when she gets back, you know, he's like, Ahsoka. And she's like, yeah, whatever. Like, we got to do this thing. Yeah. And, like, super understandable. Probably didn't help, like, in his, like, Mm -hmm. deepest, you know, darkest moments. Um, You know, (laughs) but, like, that's, that's not a, like, a blame thing. That's just a, like sequence of events things you know it's like it's bad timing and and to me it actually it does add to the sort of plausibility of you know the events of revenge of the sith yeah. where it's like you can see how having this relationship with his padawan who then becomes someone that he becomes very proud of but like kind of isn't having it from him, you know is is kind of still like that yeah if if the sequence of events were different like things could have gone very differently, you know, and they just they just didn't. Yeah. Um, in order to believe that he falls for it without a chip, you have to believe that he is all of a sudden fully convinced that the Jedi are terrible and wrong. Right. And right. granted, the whole dark side thing is kind has some element of the chip type, like a, a mind yeah. controlly kind of yeah, a thing. Yeah. But I do think you're right. I think in some ways, like giving him the fact that the Jedi, you know, they pushed out. Ahsoka. They tried to bring her back, right. but they pushed her out. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That and that and maybe like also, like part of it is that he was kind of a dick to her during that time. Yeah, and she yeah. resent and he doesn't want to accept that. Yeah, and he's one hundred percent the person who'd be like, "Oh, Ahsoka isn't really mad at me. She's mad at the Jedi Council. The Jedi Council." But he would 100% right, and then he would project all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, one other thing that you said, Aaron, about um, like Ahsoka and. Like, here it's Ahsoka and Bo-Katan, but, like, they're peers, right? They're, like, each yeah. leading their own part of the, the mission. And then it's Ahsoka and Rex. And Rex is, you know, uh, he's not exactly a subordinate, but basically she's like, this is what we're doing. He's like, you know, yeah. yes, sir, basically, yeah. right? And the, the power dynamic between them is flipped. And I, I think it even kind of starts with that, I'll race you to the bottom. Right, yeah, yeah. She was always like, no, Rex, you're more experienced. He's like, no, no, you're my commander. Right. But it's that... um. Yeah, and I, I think that yeah, I think he the power and I, but also think the fact that she's by herself entirely is really getting kind of and what you were saying mm-hmm. that she has to what she has to fight Rex and then figure it all out on her own. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I do, and I like getting to see like she's got a detective side, like the fact that she thinks to go get that and that she uh, has to figure out how to get this super sealed um, folder, which is actually like has the password protection of like my microsoft account but um you know fair enough um i i don't think we very rarely see that from some of the other jedi we saw that from obi-wan definitely but not anakin very often. yeah i mean she's definitely come a long way from that episode where she's with master plo and he's trying to be like we're detectives and then he goes and slaps his lightsaber on the bar and he's like tell me what i want to know <laughs> and she saw that and said that's what's not to do right right yeah. that's not <laughs> definitely the last thing i really noticed about her in this that i think really sets us up for what happens in rebels and and mandalorian and, and boba fett and also hopefully the new show is how much she like her mixed feelings about the jedi like, like when, when, when Maul is kind of needling her about how they, she betrayed them and she's like, no, 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 I voluntarily left. Like, this feels like someone who's very much in denial mm-hmm. and who's not ready to accept that she, yeah, she did get kicked out and then later she left, but they, they expelled her first and she has a lot of resentment about that. She has a lot of anger about that. 
Um, you know, and I think that 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 kind of helps you understand why so many years later she's still not like, oh yeah, I'm a Jedi. I can tra- train Grogu. She's like, no, yeah. it's, it's it's not me. Yeah, it, I mean, it still doesn't make all the sense because it's like, couldn't you just train him in the Force and be like, yeah, I'm not a Jedi. Like Jedi aren't a thing anymore. Like let's not really use that as a word, and we'll just be like, yeah, I'll teach him how to do his stuff, and like we'll chill and you know hang out in this forest and meditate and whatnot. Like. I mean, I agree with you, but they had to get a cool CGI Luke Skywalker. I mean, back on screen. I mean, the the payoff was worth it. So, like, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Basically, you like if you if you do things that kind of are like a little contrived and don't super make sense to me, but like don't have these like negative consequences on the characters, yeah. and you end up in a spot that's like, oh yeah, 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 that it was worth getting there. It's like. Yeah, whatever. It's cool. It's cool. Whereas if you do that in order to like kill off a character or something like, mm, no, nope, yeah. <laughs> not having any of that. The, the, there were a lot of moments, frankly, that again, because I've now watched it so many times are a little like. Clones seem to have the aim of plot. Um, I their mean, ability to fight Jedi always, is very plot right, controlled. Uh how Rex is very willing to start killing his brothers, who we know he cares so much about, and it's Ahsoka. There were a couple well, of little things like that that just – or just some of the physics like, stuff that yeah. threw me off. Uh, I don't know how many bodies you actually get to bury when the ship crashes from space. But like, Yeah, I mean that's a, that's a different story. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say like I would, I would address some of those points like, mm. you know, in terms of like – like Ahsoka kills the first two clones who fire on her. And uh-huh. I think that's just like instinct. And then after that, mm-hmm. she just deflects a bunch of blasts and then goes up through the ceiling somehow, which is like, I don't know. That's, right. That's cool. You know, she's a Jedi. Um, and and then Rex shoots at the clones because they're shooting at him. Like, I don't find it hard to believe that a soldier, when fired upon, is just going to be like, yeah, I'm just going to kill you. Like, you're trying to kill well, me. I'm going to kill literally, you. Literally, he had his clones firing at him during the Pong Krell episodes. And once he realized it, he was like, no, we, I, I I, have to stop firing, even though they're shooting at me. But what was, what were the circumstances there? Well, it's because he the, knew that they were firing him out of misinformation, which is kind of what's happening here. Right. Like, no, but I'm It's say- not the exact same, but I just... It, it just yeah, yeah. They wanted Ahsoka to have that moment, and that yeah. was fine. Okay, sure. It was a little weird that... Yeah. Yeah, that... that yeah. yeah. I, I will say, though, that the thing... You, you made a comment earlier about, like, you know, how... Ahsoka manages to survive all this and whereas all these master Jedi just like get punked and Mm -hmm. to me that's definitely not an issue with this that's an issue with that you know because I saw this episode I'm like that's what it should have looked like you know and like some of them won't survive and some of them will but every single one of those Jedi like they're 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 like built up as having so much power and then in this critical moment, just powered down because it's convenient, you know? And it's like here, to me, Ahsoka, it just, it makes all the sense, you know? And and also, like, this is an example to me of, like, there are certain, I won't name any of these things, but, like, there's certain things that sometimes people are like, oh, you know, is that really credible? Like, where did this character learn that? Or, like, how could they do that? Or, like, that's kind of stretches, you know, whatever. It's like, this doesn't, in my opinion, even without the tales yeah. of the Jedi where they like explicitly are like, this is why she was able to nail that one situation just perfectly. Right. Cause yeah. she literally trained for it over and over and over and over and over and over and over. Like mm. this to me is like, yes, this is a character who is 
fully realizing her potential, like in a combat sense and in a um, sort of a, a command sense and a like strategizing. And it's like, sometimes it takes seven seasons, but it's like, it is earned, you know? And I think you, you don't, you don't always get that, you know? And I mean, you don't always get seven seasons of TV to tell a story either. Yeah. But, you know, I, I think, you know, the Clone Wars, I love that they wrapped it up, you know, with Ahsoka and Rex. Because it's like, yeah. to me, the story of the Clone Wars, like, she's the POV character in a lot of respects. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. yeah, it goes all over the place. It covers a lot of different people, which I also think is cool. But, like, she's the character who goes from, you know, entry-level Padawan, right, with talent, but, like, not a lot of experience, to, like, just total badass who's like able to do all these things and literally you know this falling out of space scene you know where like she's hopping and skipping over ships like that is completely credible within the context yeah. of everything we've seen from her up to this point right and and you know the only disappointing thing to me is like i want other things to be more like that you know but like yeah. here it's like that they just they just nail it and mm -hmm. it's awesome Mm -hmm. I need water. Someone else talk. <laughs> I mean, just like, yeah, it's awesome. Like, incredible. There's just such incredible episodes of television. Like, mm -hmm. everything about it is beautiful. The opening scenes, the way that, like, the second episode ended, where it's just like, okay, now I can't think of exactly how it ended. But like Was Maul had said Maul something talk? really, yeah, he had said something really like ominous and it just kind of showed, that was it. So showed Ahsoka yeah. looking up through the glass shattered. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. And it just kind of like panned out with this really dramatic music and then just ended and the credits like started silent. Yeah. He says we're all going to die. That's what he said. Yeah. 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 His well, delivery of the whole Sidious, everything Sidious is doing is is so good it's so compelling it's like i would say i wanted to, tr to transition to the next yeah. character which is to me this is probably my favorite maul like yeah. he's so good in a lot of rebels he's he's fun in some other parts of clone wars i think this is my this is peak maul to me absolutely yeah and, and in a way again i don't want to keep bashing on the prequels but this does exactly what i thought they did this fixes not fix this does what i wanted them to do with count dooku Mm. Which is, I really like stories where there are multiple antagonists who one of them might be unintentionally helping the other antagonist or just distracting our hero, but they're not working for the same thing and they're working someone across purposes. Like, in the second movie, I think I would have loved that second movie if it was – well, no. The, the, the romance was – not gonna get into that. If you Dooku listen to my thoughts was, on it, uh, um, a, a separate antagonist, right? Yeah. If, yeah. if Dooku was someone who actually believed that the Republic, if, if Dooku was right, basically, right, right. which he was anyway, but like he wasn't being manipulated. Yeah. Well, he's been manipulated, but not controlled. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, the fact that that's Maul, that Maul is Cassandra here, 
Maul knows the answers. If people would just listen to Maul, then we probably could have stopped all of this. Mm-hmm. But if nothing else, they might have asked him, who is Sidious? And you go, oh, yeah. you're your chancellor. Yeah. I mean, um, if Maul weren't so busy, like, messing around with the pikes and, like, doing Maul things, you know, like, maybe, you know. maybe, uh, maybe he could have... You know, it's like, oh, let me wait till the worst possible moment to where I'm going to reveal uh-huh. to you that dude's master plan, which will actually accidentally distract you from having any chance of stopping it. Stopping the plan, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, trying to stop the plan, so but trying to stop the plan it... makes the plan go better. Yeah, and then like, I mean, and then I mean, the the horrible irony that because the clones are trying to kill her, but she doesn't want to kill them, she releases him, and he does a thing that winds up killing all of them anyway. But also just the. And him being both, like, so angry at Sidious, but still able to be like, your plan is brilliant. Like, this, he sees the whole picture. It's so good. And I just, yeah, what do you all think of Maul in this? That's how I felt on on September 11th, actually. Like, when I first learned about the whole planes and the towers, I was like, oh, that's really clever. That was, like, my fourth or fifth thought. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, it it was a little different. But, like, there is something to be said for, like recognizing strategy and it's like yeah even when it's used horribly of course um yeah maul here is just he's like he has so much gravitas and like the the music supports it and the lighting and i i don't want to say he's like an underused character because i actually feel like a lot of maul might not play this well you know yeah but i i do feel like he's used to perfection here um, Ahsoka freeing him and then him killing a bunch of clones though I'm kind of like are you sure you don't want to just kill clones yourself like are you sure like this is not kind of the same thing you know Yeah. he he also has the best Magneto scene you know <laughs> the one with like the metal doors and stuff and, like he just yeah. rips the panels oh, off with yeah. the force like that is that's that's better than I've seen Magneto. Yeah, his in force any powers go hard. Yeah, yeah, it's like, ooh. <laughs> well, like I said, I mean, Ahsoka does do some things that pretty clearly lead to the death. Like she wants to kill right. as yeah, soon yeah. as possible. Yeah. Um, and I think again, I mean, she gives him a weapon, and it's much much worse. Well, sure, sure. But but I mean, I think maybe it's it's rationalizing. You know, it's kind of being like, yeah. it's not going to be my my hands. I understand a lot of people here are probably going to die, but like I'm not going right. to directly. Yeah. yeah. Right. And just going... Oh, sorry, did you have something on this topic? No, go ahead. Just going back to Maul in general, like... I agree, this is like peak Maul. Because ever since Maul got cut in half, every time we see him, he seems a little crazier. Like, a little more unhinged. (laughs) Well, actually, no. He gets a lot less crazy after he gets his spider body taken away. But he's Mm -hmm. still crazy. Like, he still just, like, seems mad. He's, like, all over the place, scatterbrained, you know, like maniacal laughter and it's like right crazy to have that moment of like wait he's not crazy like (laughs) this character has been portrayed as being like so all over the place and like he still is all over the place but it's like just seeing his like thoughts really like come into place i don't know i just think it's cool it gives him a lot of like it just makes him more interesting yeah it it feels like i said i think go ahead oh I have no idea what I was about to say. Go on. <laughs> I mean, the fact he is the only one in the galaxy who really pulls all of it together. You know, I mean, he even before uh, Obi Wan figures it out, he says, mm-hmm. you know, they're playing these two. He he made all this happen, and 
it, it's again wonderfully paid off later because when he then finds out about Luke, because he realizes that on Tatooine is kind of the next step of all of this and why Obi-Wan is so fascinated with Luke. Um, and it's it's interesting there again because also he says like, oh, I wanted Obi-Wan here because I wanted to kill Anakin. And he says that because he wants to stop Sidious. But I feel like that it, in many ways, if, if Maul could have killed Anakin, which – I, frankly, I don't think it would happen. I think Anakin would have probably defeated him. Yep. But, um, but it'd be a fun fight to watch. But it's a perfect thing for Maul because he gets to screw over Obi Wan and Sidious. <laughs> right. He ruins Sidious' plan, and he kills the person who Obi Wan cares most about, who he was supposed to kill way back when Obi Wan mm-hmm. killed him. I mean, it just would be, uh yeah, basically, he kills the one dude's protege to keep him from becoming the other dude's protege. And yeah, I I feel like Maul plays like someone who's just like seen too much, you know, like yeah. he's seen like too much of the truth kind of. And here mm-hmm. it makes sense because it's this very finite point where everything comes together. And then before this and after this, it's kind of very scattered, you know? Yeah. Um. But like this is the moment when it kind of it it gels, and and it makes well, sense. And it also, for me, it really solidifies one of the things I feel about the dark side, which is that I think it's easy to think the dark side. If you use the dark side of the force, you're just evil, McEvil. You're a fascist. You want to rule everything. You have, you're completely and totally malevolent. And I, for the most part, don't think that's true. I think that, and this has actually been established in more of the novels and some of the comics. But, you know, part of what makes Vader so powerful is that he is angry all of the time. And one of the reasons he's angry all the time is because he knows Sidious screwed him. Because he did honestly believe that Sidious would make things better, that Palpatine would make things better, and he didn't. And I think in some ways, when he says to Luke, we can rule the galaxy as father and son, he does believe that they would – it's the exact thing that he said to – uh, Padme way back of like I would just make things better yeah and I think in this I think Maul is the exact same way I think Maul honestly believes him and Ahsoka could make the galaxy better through you know terror and control and ultimate power but it's not he's not in the mwahaha ultimate power that excuse, he's not in the mwahaha ultimate power mode that, that Palpatine is and I think it's it again beautifully foreshadows because it's the exact same place he then wa- la- later winds up with with Ezra, and I kind of feel like that is mm. the, yeah, this is what's driving him mad is he sees the whole picture and no one will believe him, and I kind of think that's what eventually drives him to Obi Wan because on on I think part of him hopes that he'll kill Obi Wan, but part of him may also be like Obi Wan will just end it, it'll just be over, yeah, and either way I think he's he's okay with that, yeah. Agreed. Such a good character. Like, I'm so glad he didn't die from being cut in half. Right. Because, like, I was so mad for so long. I was like, yo, so this is the coolest character design ever that you literally just threw down a hole. Like, mm-hmm. come on. He was the first one with the lightsaber stuff, too? Come on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think... I was Go just going to say, in the first movie, he doesn't feel like much of a character. He feels like you, you nailed it with character design, right? Like, yeah. in terms of the look and the, the feel and, like, how he moves and everything. And yeah. then when they brought him back, I feel like they gave him kind of purpose and personality right. and, like, a lot more 
more to like I, well, does he have lines actor. in the phantom menace barely and and like ray park is an amazing he's a fight coordinator right. he got hired to play him yeah he's an incredible martial artist yeah. on screen and when it comes to his acting he's an incredible fight coordinator like he's not bad yeah. but i I think there was an I think there was a version of the script where he says literally nothing. And I think that would have been better because mm. you're right. He's not a character. He's like a malevolent force of nature, right. and he's incredibly intimidating and terrifying yeah. as that. But then, yeah, later they were like, well, "What if we actually get a voice actor? What if we get like you know?" And Sam Whitmer is just top five of Clone Wars actors. I mean, he's just like so so good. So good. I'll, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> Oh, that's right. I've, I've oh, never heard him speak. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> but but whoever did the Cantonese dub, awesome, spot on. It was really good. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> and I've also watched this episode in like at least three other languages. So I, I've seen this episode a lot of times. I watched it a lot a while ago, and every now and then I come back to to be like, was this really that good? It was. It was really yeah. that good. <laughs> like. Well, that also says a lot. Like, I imagine that they got good actors that are dubbing it, but mm -hmm. then you could watch it in some languages that you knew well and some you didn't know well. Yeah. And it's still just as good every time. Like, yeah. The animation is just. Yeah. I, it's by far the best Clone Wars animation. And it's like not even close. You know, this whole season is a step above the earlier seasons. But then these last four episodes, they just they just yeah. go extra. You know, like the the. The action is so crisp and clean and there's, you know, sometimes it's in shadows, sometimes it's in light, but I always know what they're doing. I'm like, oh, they're doing this. Yeah. They're do like as a martial artist, like I see the physical movements and they all make sense. To give you an idea of how deep they went, I don't think they did this in any other time in Clone Wars. I don't know if they did this in Rebels even. They may have. But for that lightsaber, lightsaber scene that I think we're all talking about is one of the best, if not the best, the best. Um, they got motion – they got live actors including Ray Park, the person who originally did uh, Darth Maul. They got him back and and then an incredible motion actor for uh, Ahsoka. Yeah, Lauren Mary and Kim. The, thank you. Say, say that name again. Lauren Mary Kim. Um, she, Lauren Mary Kim. She also plays – she's the stunt double for the governor who Ahsoka fights in The Mandalorian. Yes. Yeah, which that. I think is kind of funny. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Come on so she's been on there. both ends of uh, Ahsoka's lightsabers. <laughs> but yeah, they got two live action people in full motion capture to have live action have that fight. Yeah. And then they just transfer that to animation. Yeah. Um, which is so cool. just so next level. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, let's talk about Rex. And Aaron, I want to really kind of give you the floor here because I know you're a big Rex fan. And I love actually, Paul, what you pointed out that like Ahsoka and Rex, the two new characters in this are really kind of our, our final characters. What do you think of this for for Re what of Rex's role and how did it feel for you, especially like when Rex is firing at Ahsoka? Yeah, um, it's just crazy. It's it's just like that scene was just me watching my worst childhood fears. Mm -hmm. Like, no, like not Rex, but like I don't know, just like his character, like we were talking about before, like you were saying it's hard to see or to like wrap your mind around the fact that he just immediately starts firing on the other clones. Mm -hmm. But honestly, to me, that is like one of the most Rex things he has done. Like that is just mm. who he is. Like, and like Ahsoka says to him, like he's a good soldier and like an even better friend, like loyalty is everything to him. And so it's like, 
just because we know he was semi-conscious while the chip was in charge you mm-hmm. know he fights it for like half a second and it's so powerful yeah, yeah, long enough even, to say look up fives right like yeah yeah like he fights it to that extent but even to the extent where it's like after she removes his chip he's talking about like things he did while the chip was in control but like he still kind of like remembered it yeah yeah so like I don't know. To me, it's like he was on the other side of the chip. He knows they don't care. He knows I didn't care. I was unable to fight that. Like, yeah, it's just like how it is. Like, he knows better than anyone in that moment that that is his only option to live. For either of them to live, you know, well, the quick point I want to make and actually a question I have for you about that. First of all, just the fact that she calls him the specific word she says is good soldier. Mm-hmm. Because I, I absolutely heard in my head, good soldiers follow orders. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is very intent. That connection is very intentional. Um, you know, not like you're a good man or you're a good fighter, you know, or good, you know, but just good soldier. Mm-hmm. But also, here's my question for you. Because you're right. He is also fiercely, fiercely protective of Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. If she's not there... If it's just his former brother is now trying to kill him and she is she he knows that she is safe. Do you think he fights back in the exact same way? I don't know. I think his initial reaction would be the same as in like fight, flight or freeze. Like it's fight, you know, like it's right. about survival, but it's like. If he ends up in a situation where it's like he's been on the run for like a bit of time and like actually has that time to like think, he'd probably be like, yeah, I don't care. Like I have nothing to live for or no one to care about. Like I think it's very true that he probably would have like lost a lot of hope or just like not felt a need to fight. But also I think like growing up, being trained only to be a soldier it's like while your mind is in like that fear adrenaline mode like i think he would just kind of fight so it's hard to know but that's a very interesting question yeah yeah i mean i don't know i I would have to i I feel like it might depend on depend on context i i do think that there might be just like an instinctive um sort of self-defense kicking in you know I, i will say his only way of surviving that situation was not to shoot the other troopers. He could have just shot Ahsoka in the back and be like, yeah, she kidnapped me. You know, mm-hmm. he. I mean, obviously he oh, wouldn't yeah. do that. But I'm just saying, like, if he were, you know, one of these scheming self-preservation only sort of characters, right. like that would have been a way out. You know, yeah, it's like he hadn't actually done anything yet. Right. He'd gotten kidnapped and then had his chip removed while he was unconscious yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i think i'm i'm i I ask it because i'm wrestling with as well and i i would have started by saying that i i think he is first and foremost a protector and he frequently is willing to risk his life or even like Mm -hmm. sacrifice his life to save others Mm -hmm. and so i think in part i kind of feel like in that same way yeah maybe not maybe the fight or flight instinct would kick in but then after he has like when he's like hiding or running away Maybe he'd tell himself, like, I'm not going to shoot at them again. I'm going to keep trying to run, mm. but I'm not going to kill my brothers right, right. if they're going through this thing. 
but that his protection his need to protect Ahsoka is is what allows him to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, just also on the subject of him, I love that we get this little existential moment from him where they're talking about like, you know, what if the whole Clone Wars could have been avoided? And, oh, yeah. and he's like, well, yeah, that's probably good because like all I've ever known is being a soldier, but also then I wouldn't exist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? And Ahsoka's just, like, well, at least some good came of it. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like the scenes with Ahsoka and Rex, and this is kind of getting to what you were talking about, Paul, but I'm kind of may, making it a little more specific in one way. This let me feel the tragedy and the the sadness of Order 66 in a way that four Jedi Masters who I'd never really gotten to know dying in ways that didn't make any sense never did. I mean, it just yeah. – it. I sobbed. I think by now I'm kind of immune to it. Not immune, but inured to it at least. But I sobbed the first like four or five times I watched this because it's just so heartbreaking. Yeah. I think in our original recording, I said that I had watched it like four different times already before we recorded on it. Um, And I was like, yeah, I was like tearing up at different points in each watch, you know? Yeah. And it was the same with like Mandalorian season two, episode eight, I think, where it's like there's just there's just these things where like something. But I mean, this is like this is the whole thing is meant to be sad yeah. right and and it's like mm-hmm. it it just it's just sad it's a sad story and it's in the overall arc of star wars i feel like there's a lot of contrivance and a lot of okay how are we going to get to plot point number three and what's the pinch and like you know it's just mm-hmm. kind of mechanized story structuring and here it just all feels very organic and i'm sure it was very carefully planned you know I'm sure they were thinking about, okay, how are we going to do this and that? But it doesn't feel um, like it never feels to me um, like overtly manipulative. It feels it it just feels genuine. It feels like this is the story. And, you know, the the, you're a good soldier and like Rex tearing. Right. And Ahsoka taking his helmet off like that. That that feels real to me. That doesn't feel like someone was like, how can we get this in the story? It just it feels like. Like great storytelling to me is when when characters not just like do something that you're like, oh, yeah, they might do that. It's like when it feels like, no, that is the only thing that character would do. Like, that's the only thing that would make sense here. You know, when it feels like, of course, that's what the character would do. And and to me, I just I felt that really throughout these these four episodes, even, you know, I mean, there's. There's there's things earlier also in in the first two episodes where it just you know there's there's that dramatic scene like just before the big lightsaber or at the beginning of the big lightsaber battle, um, Ahsoka and Maul are facing off and they're alone in this room on a planet that's in the middle of war, and it's like right. that could feel super contrived right it could feel like what where's everybody else. But it doesn't because actually Maul manipulated things to me. He got them to blow stuff up out there to draw Rex off, right? He's got Jesse um, who's just been tortured. Oh, no. Rex goes with with – Rex takes Jesse off and then Bo-Katan has to go and deal with the city, right? And Mm -hmm. so it's like, of course it's just Maul versus Ahsoka there and no one else is there, right? It's like – it it feels like the only things that feel contrived are – it doesn't feel contrived. It feels like he contrived it in story. It's like he Mm -hmm. arranged this. You know, he was the sort of manipulator that 
I feel like we've been told that the emperor is, I would push back back on whether or not he really whatever. But like here, it, it just it it just hits, and I feel like it just does that on like all of the character beats, you know, and the action yeah. beats. Like it just it just there just aren't points in this like watching these four things where it just feels like yeah, well, to me anyway. I know I know you know maybe there's some things that that pop out, but like yeah, you know, it, I just. Feel like Rex is Rex, Ahsoka's Ahsoka, Maul's Maul, Bo-Katan's Bo-Katan. Yeah. She is like we didn't talk about her that much, but like she has one line that I love that sums up a lot of what I was feeling in you know in like the Mandalorian and stuff. Like she mm -hmm. says, "I wish I was good at anything other than war or at something other than war." You know, she's very good at war. You know, yeah, and that's very credible. And she's not very good at being a leader, and that's also credible. You know, and to this point, anyway, I'm not necessarily yeah. talking about further. On. She's very good at being a military leader, I should say. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I'm going to be a little I think we won't spoil too much of Mandalorian season three because that has still fairly recently come out. But I think if you're going to watch Mandalorian season three, watch these episodes. 100 percent. And if you have watched Mandalorian season three, what, go back and watch these episodes because the Bo-Katan pieces hit. Like, it was yeah. so clear that when they were doing their research to watch, to, to write Mando season three, mm -hmm. they went back and watched these episodes and they not only paid attention to the Ahsoka stuff, but they paid close attention to Bo-Katan yeah. because, and it's funny even because some characters are like, hey, weren't you the, like, they, they talk about weren't you in Death Watch and they don't understand where she got here because they haven't seen that. This is her transition from Death Watch to right. this. And like, there's even a line where, to, to where she gets in Mando season three. And there's even a line where, you know, someone says to her, like, you know, weren't, you know, you, oh, it's, it's, someone says, like, you know, you sound like your sister. And she's like, mm -hmm. I, I've, I've come to believe that she had some really good ideas, you know, which is a huge, you know, she was leading a terrorist group against her sister. Yeah. Yeah. Before. Um, oh, there's, just, there's so many layers. Like, we can talk about this for hours and hours and hours. Mm -hmm. I, I have a question. The, the, the character next to, Bo-Katan at the end is yeah. is that Sabine's mom? Yeah, Ursa. it is right. Okay, yeah, yeah. From Rebels, Ursa. Rebels of, uh, and I think they may yeah. have mentioned Clan Ren once, but I know they definitely call her Ursa. And then yeah, Ursa is Ursa Ren is Sabine Ren's mom. Yeah, I, yeah. I didn't remember hearing the name, but I guess I guess it's in there, right? I mean, it clearly, I, I like animated. I'm like, yeah, that's that's the that's that's her. That's mm -hmm. yeah. I think it's even the same voice actress. Okay, yeah. Cool. Any other last thing? I know we don't want to go too much longer. Uh, any other last things either you want to bring up? Oh, just um, shouts out to one of the coolest lightsaber tricks ever of Ahsoka using the force to cut a circle for them to follow. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So sick. And I think that's in the Ahsoka trailer, too, for the new mm -hmm. show. But it's just like, wow. Like, Anakin and Obi-Wan did the original, like, let's cut through the floor. But it's like, you're nowhere near as cool because you did it with your hands and not the Force. Yeah. And you have you have one lightsaber and she has two. So she's just so much cooler than you guys. <laughs> the scene where where she's kind of falling from the, the Republic ship to the planet and just kicking ass the whole way she goes. Like, it is such an iconic scene that if you go on TikTok... There are a number of videos where people have set different music to that. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, now my brain can't think of any of them, but they're always so awesome. And they almost always like either culminate or like one of the most like the the scene where like just the the the, the note where like the music really kicks in mm-hmm. is that one where she like uh, just drops into a, one of the ships with her two legs splayed out and like just sidekicks yeah, yeah. two of them at the same time. It's just and, and, like it. That's when really they're s- um. That's when they're uh, attacking Mandalore, right? Yeah. 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 And it's the kind of thing where, like, when I see it in one of those videos and when I see a five-second clip of it, I'm like, oh, that's kind of dumb. But seeing it in context, it totally – seeing all the other stuff she's done that builds up to it, totally works. Totally makes sense. So cool. All right. Well, thank you both so much. I'm glad we got to do this. Uh, or, Paul, Paul, you're making a face. Do you have something else you want <laughs> yeah, to say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was going through all my things to find, like, the last thing that I wanted to say. There's, there's like, two, two things – um, Go for it. One is when the you know the prime minister of Mandalore is like mm-hmm. telling them his last words are Skywalker. <laughs> <That's> so funny, <laughs> like little little Yoda foreshadowing. Like you know, I mean, uh-huh. Star Wars likes to like reuse lines and kind of wink at itself, and like sometimes is like, I don't know, but like here, I just like I I liked it there. I thought it was good. Yeah. Um, and then just overall, no one in this ever says they have a bad feeling. Right, exactly, exactly. It's like here, it's it's like subtle enough, and it just, of course, yeah, that's what he would say right there, you know. And they just yeah. kind of like made it, you know, just a little little parallel, but they didn't like do gymnastics to, you know, to yeah. get there. Um, and then right after, you know, during the scene where where Maul is like, you know, justice is merely the construct of the the current power base. There's like those explosions outside. And it just sounds like a thunderstorm. And it's like almost soothing, but it's like the city is on fire and everything's blowing up. (laughs) But it's like almost this like thunderstorm kind of, ah, we're in here and it's cozy. Oh, right. Let's get to the lightsaber duel. Um, Yeah, right. But like the sound throughout this, like there's, there's so many things that are so good about these episodes, but I feel like the sound is the thing that could go kind of uncommented on but like the and the music as well where it's you don't get a whole bunch of those like big swells that you get in a lot of star wars right which are also awesome but it's so it's like understated and it but it sets the tone like the whole thing feels so tense because it is i would think that the last two episodes probably have the lowest dialogue counts of any in the series like there are long stretches of like multiple minutes where not a word is said, where it's just like you know things happening on the sh- and sometimes yeah. it's like because there's action scenes and there's music, but sometimes it's just like you know Rex and Ahsoka, like that that whole burial scene. Mm-hmm. I mean, is is long. The whole like so many scenes of like you know Rex and Ahsoka on the bridge coming to deal with things. Like there's just there's not a lot of dialogue in those last two episodes. The dialogue is is great. Yeah. But they could have filled it up with a lot of filler dialogue, which I think they often do. And here they, they just let the animation and the sound speak for itself. Yeah, they, they let it breathe. You know, yeah. they really let the moments breathe and they didn't feel like they had to, like, assert themselves on the story. It, like, feels like they let the story, you know, yeah. tell itself at points, which I know involves a ton of work and animation isn't, like, something that happens on its own. But, like, it, it mm-hmm. just the, – the restraint to not throw in – some words yeah. there, right? To not be like, oh, where to next, Rex? Well, where should you yeah. do that? You know, like that would have been awful. It would have just like totally stepped on the moment and they just they just let it breathe. Yep. And then Vader comes and 
There's no like, oh, Lord Vader. Well, it's like we you, we don't need you to tell us it's Lord Vader, right? Like yeah. it, we 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 hear him. <laughs> He's breathing. And in some ways, the fact that we don't know exactly why Ahsoka leaves the lightsaber mm-hmm. or what he is thinking as he picks it up. Yeah. It's frustrating, but probably so much better than any way they could have told us. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah like I don't find I, it frustrating at all. It's like, I get to, I get to choose. I get to think about yeah. what I think they're thinking about. You know, I get to feel it. And it's like, it, it, maybe it's not even a coherent thought. It's just a feeling, just the emotion is there. It's in the scene without a word needing to be uttered. You know, and that to me, that's masterful visual storytelling, right? And film, right? Film and TV and whatever, whatever, you know, all these different media that are basically one medium that is like synchronized sound and video. Like that's a masterful level of that. And it's just so powerful. And it goes throughout the entire four episode arc and just culminates there at the end with that last shot of the reflection of Vader walking away in in that helmet, you know, in the clone helmet Mm -hmm. with... Ahsoka's face painted on it. It's just beautiful. Yeah. I think there's other technical moments that are as good, like in Andor, but there's very, very few. I think this is, in terms of that kind of technical storytelling, the best Star Wars animation has ever given us. Like, in many ways, I kind of like Rebels a little more, and I think in some ways even the the Ahsoka-Vader confrontation scene and the Maul... Obi-Wan confrontation scene take me to highs that I don't quite get even in these episodes, but just from the, the technical perspective, I don't think there's anything in Rebels that's quite this good. It's just mm-hmm. it, there was so much and I like in like it, it sucked to not get season seven when we wanted to get season seven, but I'm kinda glad because it just felt like this mm. was the love letter they wanted to you know, this right. was all of that, you know, them wanting it to go back and show all the love to a show that was pretty like I think it has now become much more beloved. In part because so much more things are paying relevance to it. But when I watched it and I would tell like hardcore Star Wars fans that had seen it, they'd be like, what are you talking about? I was a hardcore Star Wars fan. I had a Star Wars podcast. And Paul, you were like. I had to convince you to watch the Clone Wars. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, it, it, it's very rarely is something paused and then added to later. And that turns out like really well. Mm-hmm. This is maybe one of the rare instances where I think it turned out far better than if they just continued their story and wrapped it. Like yeah. the technology progressed a little bit. They just they just they had the time to really just nail it. Yeah. Yeah. I will say I will never forgive Disney for the fact that that initial cancellation meant the story, the plot of Dark Disciple wasn't going to be on screen. And I would I would give anything to see those episodes. I really would. Because, like, Ventress is one of my favorites. And that book is so good. And Quinlan is such an interesting character. Um, Quinlan Voss. But mm-hmm. anyways, so I will always forever be salty about that. But I can't at all complain about how they ended it. Because it was, like you guys said, like, perfect. To give it that yeah. time to, like breathe and establish a few more stories and then just to be able to tie it all together perfectly in that way was really it it makes it a little better that they canceled it and took that away from like 13 year old me (laughs) i'll also say as much as i think even back then they were doing great things 
Dark Disciple, I think, is such a good book in many ways because it's one of the most complex and it goes so deep into the true nature. That sounds ridiculous. But, you know, like the the complexity of the the dark side and of the force Mm. in a way that is hard to capture on screen in any format, but I think would be very hard to capture particularly in Clone Wars at the time they like they were making it when it was still in some ways a kids show. I mean there's a lot like the eroticism of that book is really important and and talk a lot about passion and mm-hmm. the, so I agree with you but it's also like Dark Disciple is so good that if I did it wrong I'd be so mad. No, it's like mm-hmm. don't get me wrong, I would still want the book. I just yeah. would also want the TV. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe they'll maybe okay. they'll like go back. I mean they they, they make a lot of things. You know, yeah. it is maybe I, I can understand the, the disappointment or frustration of not having that then. But like maybe mm-hmm. maybe there's still hope, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'll just say kind of the last thing on what you were saying about how much this paid off the first thing. I'll just kind of echo what said. It's brilliant because it's both a sequel and a prequel. I mean, it really is a prequel to Rebels without any of the problems they usually have. It's a requel because it's retreading the same time period that's already been done in the prequel. But it's. Yeah. Doing it different, yeah. you know. POV switch. <laughs> it's not a remake. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, let, let's actually wrap up. Uh, I know we had time constraints and I want to honor them. So, um, Ahsoka, I mean, Aaron McGowan, uh, people can find you cosplaying Ahsoka and talking about cosplay and all sorts of stuff, but they need to know where to look. Where do they look? Yes, friends. I'm on TikTok and Instagram as Lady Tano Creates. Lady Tano, because that's what Maul calls Ahsoka in such a respectful and disrespectful way. (laughs) I just loved it. Um, (laughs) Anyway, so yeah, again, Lady Tano creates. Most of what I do is cosplay related. You know, I'll post pictures and stuff from conventions as well as like updates on stuff I'm working on. Summer's been really busy, so I've kind of slowed down in the frequency of my posting, but I am still, you know, slowly working through things. Um... Otherwise, sometimes I'll just do, like, random Star Wars filters I found on TikTok, and I'll just sit there and I'll just play a bunch of the filters and post it because I'm bored, you know? So, got some interesting stuff if you want to swing by. The red flag, green flags are uh, particularly entertaining. That was fun. (laughs) Uh, And uh, a hoppy person. I was going to say Mr., but... Person. A, a but also, I was gonna say, uh, you, you I, I know with master. They, they, I mean, it's it's accurate. Well, it's, uh, <laughs> but no. you know, well, like you know, like I was gonna say, mix, which is now apparently the non-gendered like Mister or Ms. But yeah, like, yeah. It just it sounds awful. Mm. Um, what's you? No, like a master. Uh, to anybody who uses it, I apologize. If you're happy with it, great. I'm frustrated. I'm the most frustrated by the lack of good non non-gendered words because I'm about to become an uncle and or an mm. uncle or whatever, and I hate most of the words. Anyway. We're on a tangent of a tangent of a tangent, but uh, Lady Tano has her hand in the air. Lady Real quick, Tano. what I go for for any non-binary person, I captain. <laughs> I captain. I I captain. Not I like that. yes, sir. I I captain. <laughs> to really get the full, like you can't see this on 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 radio, but like you need to make it two fingers when you salute. You know, oh of the my bad. Hand. Get the <laughs> do. It's like do they call? Finger guns. Do they call Ahsoka? They say, "Sir, yes, sir," and she's like, "You don't have to call me, sir." And she's like, uh, "Copy that, sir," or something. No, it's Commander. It's, it's, it's Commander. They just say Commander. Yes, Commander. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah, the subtitles. They are, have used "sir" for her sometimes. during the Clone Wars, though. 
They have, right? right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They call like, anyone, anyone, sir. Right. Yeah, they think they call Yaddle, sir, in some of the books. Like, sure. It's yeah, yeah. Military. Um, oh, yeah, I'm Zen Madman. Paul Christopher Hoppy in places on the internet, whatever. <laughs> cool, cool. Uh, and I, of course, am The Ethical Panda. If you go to theethicalpanda.com, you'll find all the podcasting I do, both here and on Superhero Ethics. Superhero Ethics is in a bit of a hiatus at the moment while I kind of figure out what I'm doing, and we do have so much going on with uh, Star Wars Universe podcast. I will have some good episodes, though, about that uh, pretty soon, but definitely we're going to have a lot of Star Wars stuff coming your way. Uh, we are continuing our Rebels coverage, so we're going to hopefully finish uh, season f- – so we will hopefully finish Rebels season four before the Ahsoka show comes out. A lot of things we're trying to do to build up to that. Also, because I clearly have lots of free time in my hand, not only have I launched an entirely new charity organization for Magic the Gathering, which you can find out more about by messaging me, but I've also decided to tip my toes, dip, yeah, anyway, I am going back gently into the world of streaming. Uh, I'm going to be launching something on my Twitch stream called Calrissian's Card Room, which I'm going to hold hopefully until... Uh, hopefully the uh, Disney lawyers are not going to come after me. I've been told that that is acceptable use of these things. But basically it's going to be me playing card games while talking to folks about Star Wars stuff or superhero ethics stuff or whatever on my mind mm-hmm. as a way to distract you from the fact that I'm not very good at the games I'm playing. Uh, those games will mostly be poker and Magic the Gathering. Um, who knows? Maybe someone will teach me Pokemon online. I really, really <laughs> doubt it. But I mean, your co-host can... for the Rebels yeah no he he does i don't think what he does is a card game though it's he does pokemon go oh, which i don't okay yeah no you're right you're right i don't really fully I, understand but i don't know what either one are except that they are different things and one you know anyway something about collecting. We're, we're gonna be talking about poker it's we're talking about magic the gathering i have no idea what the schedule is yet but if you go to twitch.com i think it's the ethical panda but the link is in the show notes uh and subscribe you'll get notifications uh, I'm going to try hard to, if I can't, you know, I don't want to at least be like, hey, I'm going online in three minutes. It might just be like, hey, I'm going online tomorrow night or I'm going online in six hours. Who knows what I'm going to do? Eventually, I'll settle into a recording schedule, but um, you can get it on the ground floor. Say that you were there before everyone else because that's what the cool kids are doing. Um, yeah. No, no, yeah. And hey, Aaron, you right? <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Anyway. Uh, thanks everybody for being a part of this. Paul and Aaron, you are fantastic as always. Uh, I do not have time for Patreon content, which I apologize. We're not great about that. We're going to get back into that habit, uh, very, very soon. Uh, we've been mostly in that habit. Why am I complaining about too much? But anyway, thank you all everybody much. Have a good one. Because we have spoken. (laughs) 